Hi everyone and welcome to another Giant Sisters podcast. Today I'm delighted to be with someone that I've known for many years. Uh, we've even spent time together um, at a wedding in Las Vegas. Today we're talking with Dame Trelise Cooper. Establishing her business in 1985, Dame Trelise Cooper, the unconventional force behind New Zealand's most successful fashion empire, has built her brand through trusting her own instincts as well as a natural sense of beauty and design by which the world has become intrigued. The brand's four labels, Trelise Cooper, Cooper, Curate and Coop, are adored across the world with a high fashion profile clientele including Liv Tyler, Miley Cyrus, Suri Cruz, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Julia Roberts and Fleetwood Mac's Stevie Nicks. Welcome Trelise. Hi Jo. Hi. So today we're going to ask you, um, we really want to know the magic that, that makes Trelise and your fashion empire and you most importantly. Um, come to be. So the power of intention, how did you design your life and career path or did it just evolve? I think I did design it. I didn't probably realise early on how designed it would become Mm. and um, certainly the journey that I've had in this lifetime of the 35 years I've been going um, has been it has exceeded my expectations, mm. probably, or my visualization, I yes. should say. Um, and so, you know, when I was a little child, um, I loved clothes, and I'm the child of a second child of teenage parents. And um, my dad was very um, ambitious and didn't want to be poor. Um, he loved clothes, so he would indulge me, buy me clothes, um, take me shopping. So I think my research started <laughs> in my childhood. I've been researching this this life for a long time. Yes. Um, and my mother was, um, I, I'm a child of the 50s, and so mum had, with all the other girls, in the cul-de-sac, because there was we lived in a brand new house my dad built with mm. his own hands wow. as a young, kind of early 20s. But... We um, lived in a cul-de-sac filled with other kids my age right. and um, and mum and dad, of course, had mates in the street. Mm. Um, so the mothers all put their kind of gowns that they were no longer wearing into our dress-up box. So we had this amazing dress-up box of yes. kind of bejeweled gowns and jeweled satin shoes and... Oh, yeah. Just wearing them now. Beautiful. Yeah, I am. Green. That's kind of... Bow shoes with more diamantes and gold, beautiful buckles. Yeah, I can imagine what those girls are like. Actually, that's quite amazing how that, <laughs> just saying that, because <laughs> it's exactly what I've got on. But it was, these yes. beautiful satin, probably court shoes, not mm. like these ones, but court shoes with lovely jewels on them. And so I, my memories of those days is lots of coloured tulle turquoises and mm. beautiful kind of... Um, satin dresses and in jewel tones so I think that began my mm. kind of um, flavor of loving clothes absolutely and it sounds I can visualize it even as you say it and we're sitting in is this your um, styling room that we're sitting in yes it's the seasons that are in the store and when stylists come or celebrities come and they need something to wear this is the sample range they choose from when I can tell everyone that it is beautiful multicolored satins um, Sparkles. I knew, I do feel like I'm in a bit of a dream world in here. <laughs> it's like if you could say I have. I want a fairy godmother to take me to an amazing place to find clothes. I'm here. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the unique experiences that you have had 
that have led you into the career and the work that you do now? Um, I think probably initially um, I was a wide-eyed, rose-hued glasses um, teenager and um, I've always been really optimistic but I got married at 17 which I was very happy about mm. and that marriage finished after five years which made me feel like a failure um, and it was a big learning curve mm. uh, and it pushed me into seeking out some answers and some knowledge about myself right um, and that led me into a kind of a, a philosophy and a way of thinking um, that I think is the reason I sit where I do today. It mm. kind of formed all of the tools that I have used all the way through my life um, and my work. Um, and I guess it's an attitudinal thinking mm. um, process. It's um, a, a visualization process. Mm. And uh, I guess believing in a dream, believing that uh, what you think about, you bring about, and mm. that really has been true for my life. In yes. fact, it's been more than I thought about, I think. <laughs> um, but I think part of that was um, initially writing down my dream, and I never wanted to do that, felt like um, homework. I wasn't mm. great at school. I left school at 15 once I got school cert. Yes. Um, and a part of that life of... Um, of not wanting to write things down was like, oh, I don't want to write journals and I don't want to write my dream down. But it, I made myself do it and I sat and got into that space. And I think this is really important when you're mm. writing a dream and you write it like it's already occurred. Yes. As if it's already happened. So it's interesting when you look at text and you um, go back and there are so many wishes and I, I want and I will and I have well that's all not yet occurred mm. uh, so you have to be quite disciplined and then the visualization visualizing in in technicolor and small detail mm. and you know I visualized having a brand new Mercedes off the showroom floor at the mm. time I was driving a real old little dunger yes. I was about 20 at the time when I was writing this and um, and that was kind of outrageous. So on mm. one shoulder, I've got this outrageous kind of dreaming going on, mm. and the other going, critical shoulder going, don't be ridiculous, when's that ever going to occur? Yeah. However, um, I got into that place where it was actually really enjoyable, wasn't mm. homework, yes. um, and I could really imagine it, and I could smell the new leather in the car. And Amazing. Yeah, and I think I, I wrote down detail and minor detail um, about the fashion business I wanted to open and the mm. kind of push for why I wanted that. Mm. You know, and it's all about creating a space for women, mm. about women. And I think it's because as a woman, I didn't feel confident and I didn't mm. feel like I had um, the confidence to walk into a fashion store. Right. So I wanted to create a fashion store that was kind yes, and yes. where you weren't judged and that you everybody was welcome mm. and that also there were fabulous clothes in it um and you've done that for sure absolutely. thank you and i guess i then this this type of thinking they say put that away mm. you don't treat it like a goal that's kind yes. of you're constantly worrying mm. you put it aside so i did about five years later i came across it when i was packing up a house and i looked at it and absolutely everything in that dream mm. had occurred and, and the way I'd written it, it was unbelievable. 
and I could go through and tick everything off and um, I found that incredible and that was a powerful lesson and wow this yes. stuff does work I love that story and out of interest did you write I am the like isn't it was already around you like you've described or did you more write it like a diary note to yourself or how um, I wrote it and I probably I'm not sure if I wrote it the right the, the right way but it was the right way for my life yes so I wrote it like um, my beautiful customers love walking in my store right. they um, are really enjoying the linens that I have bought on my trip to Milan oh lovely yes, and so first class was mm. so beautiful. I really love being served the champagne in first class. Like I wrote it kind of <laughs> experiential, like, yeah, lovely, and yeah. and like really connected into it. So mm. that I actually would have an emotional response, and yes. that I can really feel this, and mm. and I really wanted it, mm. a deep desire, a mm. really deep desire. I do think that that deep desire. Um, so I've talked about material things, but mm. what I'm meaning about that deep desire is. Um, in a way like a calling I, there was no way I wasn't doing this Yes. Um, and probably I don't, didn't realise that at the time but mm -hmm. looking back upon, on my life it, it's been driven by um, an emotional part of me that wanted to be um, accepted and an emotional part of me that wanted to give to other women mm. um, and the thing that drives me today is that transformative formative thing that clothing does for women yes. the way in which it allows them confidence when they look good and mm. feel good they can go and conquer the world yes. they can sit at the, mm. the top of the boardroom table with confidence mm. if they know they look like they look they look good they can forget about yes. themselves and yeah. and be confident um mm. and that comes from someone who for most of my life have n i've not been confident um, and it never took the fear away. Mm. So I was constantly wracked with fear in the whole time I was doing this. Really? So much fear and so much self-doubt for years and years. So the negative chatter in your head, like we all have, mm. was that saying, like... Well, who are you? Who do you think you are? Even the day, that, the night before I opened my first store, because I'm untrained, so it's that real imposter you're, syndrome. You're a total creative, right? Creative. Right, yes. yes. And it's why I didn't like school, is because yes, I'm a dreamer. I see that. Yeah. I'm a creative and ideas person. Mm. I'm not technical. I did a little pat making course and I did it with my husband Jack, and he mm. was great because he's really a mathematician, you know, mm. he's an accountant. I couldn't get anything accurate enough because I wasn't interested enough. Mm. I love the ideas, but I'm not, yes. I, I knew early on I needed to. Um, employ technical, technically minded people. So, the creative in me mm. was also emotional yes. and um, and not confident and n fearful. But a part of the the books and the attitudinal training that was in the books and the courses I was taking is feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes. You know, sit with the fear but do it. And I actually think that's true courage. Mm. Is Absolutely. Not an, yeah, it's not an absence of fear. It's mm. having fear and doing it in mm. spite of it. And mm. so for most of my life, I guess I have had a lot of courage because <laughs> I've just continued on. And mm. I've also had that little voice saying, 
who do you think you are? So the, you know, the night before I opened my store in High Street, mm. I was in there ironing some clothes because I didn't even realise clothes didn't come pressed and, and crying at 3am in the morning. I was opening at 9 o'clock. I was still there crying going, what did I think? Who did I think I was? Oh. How, why did I think I could do this? Mm. Who am I thinking I am? And I'm in mm. this beautiful store. I pulled myself together and got myself there um, and the the line was out the door mm. and it was up the street. That is amazing. I did go into that store and buy things as well. Oh, did you? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and that store in that first day did my week's turnover and then um, the week's turnover was what I wanted to do in a month and yeah. it never stepped back from that. Then I was, had a new problem. How to, <laughs> how, how, how how to, to <laughs> Yes, how to keep things on the rack, yeah. how to actually have something to sell. Um, and that was a real, another mm. fear. Like right. it was another fear. I was fearful about every aspect of mm. everything all the time. It's so wonderful that you've been so candid and shared that with us because many people would, from the outside world, look, at you and not imagine that at all. Oh, do you think? Oh, yeah, I think. No, I'm, I've always been that person. Um, and I I guess it was at a point, and I remember the day, where one day I went, because the thing about when you do lots of courses and mm. um, read lots of self-help help books, it becomes a way of life, and I loved it. And I've mm. never not stopped. But at one point there was some self-talk that went, when you're actually going to put this into practice and acknowledge mm. that you know mm. you're okay and um so with that thinking in mind one day I went at what point are you going to know you're okay your turnover is at five million this is many years ago mm. my turnover was at five million and I went I think you could say that you are a success I think that Absolutely. you can give yourself <laughs> uh, mm. you know let yourself off the hook it's enough mm. and on that day I started um more growth into acceptance of um, acceptance of I'm good enough mm. um, and that's been a lifetime journey for me yes. that I think it's a human yes it's a human um, frailty of mm. of humans that we don't feel enough or good enough and it takes I feel like it mm. takes life's work yes. <laughs> to get there <laughs> and be comfortable with mm. who we are yes You've, you've covered um, a bit of the next question, which were about embracing the lessons. And what challenges have you experienced that shaped you the most as a person? Uh, well, I come to work every day, mm. um, and I call every day a personal growth day. Right. I find every day a challenge. Um, and so I think starting a business, being in business, is a big challenge. Mm. But if I go back to those very initial, I had a, um, a childhood that was probably fairly lovely. Yes. So um, I had a father that was very entrepreneurial and um, and very um, action-oriented and um, a big thinker. So mm. I had, I came kind of into working world the working world with all of that mm. hope and kind of positivity yes. um, so I at some level obviously believed I could do it but I think my first marriage breaking down and all the issues that came mm. with that that I now look upon that much more kindly to mm. myself about that but yes. at the time I felt it was a really big thing but 
But I guess what I learnt in all that is that everything that happens to me happens for my highest good. Mm. And I I do know that my first marriage and the breakdown of my first marriage happened for my highest good. And what I mean by that is that your highest good is always unfolding and usually it looks anything but your highest good. 100% understand that. Yeah. (laughs) On the day it's happening and on the month or the year that it's happening, it looks like the exact opposite of your highest good. Mm, mm. Um, And I think there's a tendency for people to not express the emotions of loss or tragedy or um, despair. I'm not saying that. I'm Mm. saying with with the sadness, with the loss, the grief unfolding is something and and I guess when your heart is broken open the light is let in and then you're allowed to go down a pathway that um, that pathway is something you would never have taken had that not occurred and I guess um, I probably wouldn't have been a seeker as much as I was Mm. if my marriage hadn't broken down Mm. um, which was kind of to me the most unexpected and un the awful thing and then I got together with Jack um, and that was really not easy at all we had a very um, difficult um, family situation mm. um, and both of us out of mar- newly out of marriages and that was hell on earth for some time um, mm. so all of the and that kept me seeking um, and so I think that, um, and you know, like I was 21 by, by this stage, right. um, and, um, um, and so I think those were really formative challenges. And then I got into business, I was in business with my husband when I was 17. I, we had bought our first house by age, my, when I was 16. Amazing. Um, and then I started, I had two other businesses after, um, before I started my fashion business. So I've always been in business. Mm. But I think the fashion business is its own unique, complex... Um, oh, universe, really, isn't Yeah, it? and difficult. It's yeah. difficult every day. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with... It takes a lot of people. Yes. And so there's a lot of people and a lot of relationship. And so I, every day, am in relationship with a whole multitude of people. They might be the customers that are walk into my store. They might mm. be, like if I take this morning for instance, yes. I have a really wonderful VIP here at the head office um, buying the new collection from the store, but mm. she's having a private styling session at, here in the office. Mm. And then in the other showroom we have um, people who are buying the collection and they're independent retailers with their own store and they're buying our collection. So I have all that relationship. I have relationship with all our suppliers. I have relationship with people that give us services. Mm. And then I have relationship with the people that work with me and for me. And I can't do it without anybody, Mm. not any of them. Um, And I think with all of that is all the dynamics, the humanness of all of that, the humanity and all of the struggles that people are going through, we I come up against every day. Yes, you have yeah absolutely so many stakeholders, and a lot that's a lot of energy and relationship intensity and uh, yeah. it is and it's um, burden. You yeah. know, there's a burden because at some point I become responsible for that 
independent retailers turnover right um, yes. for the um, goodwill and happiness of my staff and you know they become my family in the daytime mm. and they're highly important to me and so their happiness is everything but mm. it, that brings with it the burden of motherhood um, and mm. you know in motherhood I always felt and feel guilty <laughs> that was as a young mother I was always feeling guilty I wasn't quite doing it right when I look back I was really awesome yeah. um, and I guess that's kind of a bit how I feel about um, you know I've got a, over a hundred staff and um, you know it, it's the burden of that mothering mm. um, and making sure the family's happy yes um, so that's all challenging absolutely where do you draw your, you're so creative Thank well, you, Jo. Where, where do you draw your inspiration from? I mean, you've talked about um, when you were younger and in the um, beautiful uh, dress-up box and that sort of thing. Yeah, I find inspiration um, one of life's mysteries and the magic of life. Mm. And what I mean by that is that it blows me away how it all kind of works it's 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 actual i i believe um that to be inspired is to be um in in spirit yes and i think it's soul at soul level mm -hmm. inspiration and creativity is soul level and um and that's why I feel like I'm living my calling because I get to express that every day mm. and in my own way and flavour I have the absolute freedom of expression which is a real gift Absolutely. and it's a God-given gift and, um, and so I think inspiration um, I travel a lot because of the job I do it's mm. necessary mm. Um, and I find travelling and going to different places and witnessing all kinds of different things that it all goes in. And I go to lots of inspiring places and I also go to lots of fabric fairs where I'm kind of inspired by other people's creativity. So people's kind of beautiful designs on fabric. Often I'll change the, or, or um, amalgamate two kind of fabric designs into one like mm. I'm always creating fabric before I'm creating a garment um, and so I find inspiration is in every moment of my day mm. and but probably what really inspires is things I have an emotional reaction to um, and I, I know that that's when it's really inspiring, when I really love something or I'm really moved by something. And um, I had it demonstrated to me this week in that the girl in my Melbourne store and I and another girl from work here, we took a holiday in, in the European summer to Mykonos. Mm. And we were at this bar on the hill, yes. beautiful, <laughs> and there was this incredible woman singing. Gosh, she was amazing, and she looked incredible. She had a gold leather jacket, short leather jacket. She had an awesome body, and she had these big wide leopard pants on. And I didn't think about that again. I didn't think. And <laughs> and this week, Trace, who was with me. Mm. I was um, looking at the new collection that's gone out and she sent me a photo 
of the woman in the bar that we were all at and enjoying and um, she sent me a photo and went, you did her pants. And I went, oh my gosh, I did. I had no, me- I had right. never thought yes. of it. Yes. But actually I found this amazing, oh, this amazing fabric and it's a, a really heavy kind of rayon twill. Mm. And I thought, gee, that would be fabulous in some leopard pants. I've done leopard pants and jacket. Mm. And um, and so I did them, not thinking of this woman, but it's actually... when I inspiration from... Oh, well, when I look, well, yeah. if Trace hadn't sent me that uh, text with her photo, mm. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah. That's amazing. She went, wow, I know where the inspiration came from. And I went, what, what do you mean? And she then sent me the photo. I was like, wow. It was wow. It is wow. Yeah. And as I, as I look around and, and the many um, beautiful fabrics and shapes, do, do some of these ideas just literally pop into your head? Some of them do, and some of them have to be more worked. And sometimes I buy fabric and I get it to the workroom and I think, oh, what did I buy that for? So I always set myself and, and my team the challenge of, because often people go, oh, what a, what's that? I'm not wearing that. And I'm like, I bet you you are. I'm going to make that the most fabulous piece. <laughs> and this is going to be our top seller. And I'm going to see you in a pair. And they're like, no. Or I'm going to see you wearing that in a dress. No. <laughs> so that's what I do. If we don't like it, I yes. set myself a challenge. And honestly, it really works like that. The, yes. in, the intention. The it intention again. of yes. making it... Of seeing it beautiful again, mm. um, because I obviously did when I bought it, because I won't buy anything unless it sings to me. Yes. And um, so it's about calling on that energy again yes. and expressing it. That's beautiful. Who are your role models and why? Sheroes and heroes. Ooh. I always find this the most difficult question because really in the beginning... I didn't have anybody, maybe my father, Mm. um, my mum, who is my role model in how to be a good human being, how to be sweet and kind and a beautiful person and soft. No, that's gone. But but my dad was probably my first role model, actually. Mm. Um, But mum has lived lived a completely different life and dad had no kind he was in the construction industry so nothing like this type of Mm. business um and i found it difficult finding women in business that i could relate to especially back when i in the early 80s i just wasn't there and then this woman kind of popped onto our tv screens called oprah way back when yes and she gave me many aha moments Mm. of um her her style of interviews and the types of interviews, the thinking behind it really resonated because it was like the thinking and all the learning that mm. I had been doing up until that point and all mm. the books I was reading. And she still recommends books that I, I buy and read. Yes. And I still listen to her. So probably she has been a great role model, I think, mm. for a lot of women. Mm. You know, she's not the right size in terms of what is you know mm. accepted mm. she's um an african-american woman um she's female she's mm-hmm. she hasn't got anything right really yes. and yet she has this amazing charisma mm. and this amazing aura and this um incredible ability to communicate mm. a, an idea yes 
So I find, I've always found her very inspirational. What advice would you give to your younger self? (sighs) Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) All will be well. Yep. Um... Uh, sleep the night on it don't react (laughs) Um, my younger self is it will all be good it will all be okay and everything is unfolding in the best way for your life that's fantastic I'll use that one as well for for myself um, giving back, you, I know you do a lot with the community and that sort of thing. Can you just sort of give us a bit of an overview? Um, I think, and you're doing some work in India. And yes, uh, the giving back started way before um, I started working, actually, mm-hmm. because my dad um, was a tr- real believer in that being of service to your community. Um, mm-hmm. So I was around him where he was constantly giving back. So he was the chairman of our school, primary school committee, mm. and he decided the school needed a swimming pool, so he set about and fundraised for it and built the pool. Mm. Um, and he built, he, he pulled in other parents, and so that was a big project when yes. I was a very young child. Mm. And um, and then he's, we, we always had World Vision children at home, we had two, um, and we, in those days you sent them hair clips and right. and ribbons and yes. shoes and mm. and my dad was always he loved dad loved buying things he had a major generosity of spirit mm. that enveloped him and so he was always sending things and then he would encourage us to be of service to people in the community so um, I was it, the word was put out by a friend that a blind um, boy in our neighborhood needed someone to read to him his schoolwork, so I did that. Oh. And um, and so I guess I have always um, liked that aspect of service to others mm-hmm. um, and have been able in the early days to do actually on the, you know, on the coal front, if you like, um, packed food bags and been in the food bank and mm. you know ended up kind of giving the people what they needed um, but once I got into this business and I got time poor it meant that I was then able to give back in terms of using my brand to mm. illuminate other lovely things like breast cancer research mm. and um, starship and oh, you know there's been honestly yes. so many um, and it still is happening mm. women's refuge um, I worked in a woman I worked for women's refuge way back mm. um, and I loved that side of um, of being there for women um, and um, you know I guess the thing is in my life it hasn't been um, straightforward I've had a very human life of many many trials and tribulations personally and in mm. relationships mm. I get it you know yeah. I get what I get how that is and I'm empathetic to that and so um, I love women women's and children's charities I love I'm I've got a new thing at the moment that I really love that charity begins at home I think in New Zealand we mm. have a whole lot of um, disadvantaged children so mm. I give I do a lot with variety I we Jack and I personally support 
um, a child and we all, I also use, whenever I can, my design skills to create things that can be sold for the charity. Yes. Um, and I guess that is my DNA um, and I wouldn't be comfortable um, without some level mm. of service each day. Are there any new and exciting projects or innovations that you have planned for this year and are you able to share them? Well, every year is new collections and there's uh, 16 of those and in amongst each collection it's probably a thousand garments each mm. one there's all of the um, innovation of uh, whether that leaf I'm going to have that a green leaf or a brown leaf or um, and so there's lots and lots of that um, but in 2008 I started the Trelise Cooper eco bag because I'd been to France oh, yes, a lot yes. and um, you couldn't get a bag in France back in 2008 they banned plastic bags and um, I was going to France regularly um, and we had our house there, we've owned our house there since um, 2008 um, and I wanted the same for New Zealand so I I created the Trelise Cooper eco bag and that eco bag has sold in excess of 1.5 million um, so far so I'm... That's amazing. Yeah and because people reuse them they mm. last probably for about well, they last a long time, but if you say that people would use them every day for three years, there's a lot of plastic bags. It's kind of, if you work it out, it goes into the billions, which is kind of crazy. So yes. can't, I, I can't work out how many plastic bags are saved, but a lot. Hmm. And I think, um, so that has always been um, something that I believed in and loved, hmm. and I've been, I love the eco bags, and they've been all over the world. I got approached... Um, last year by um, a Japanese company and um, I've had lots of international things so I was kind of a little cool about the idea but anyway this week they launched them in Japan um, at their trade fair and mm. they've sold them they've in talks with supermarkets and um, big department stores oh, wow. yeah so that's the release, yeah so that's all happening this year um, it, it hasn't I haven't made them yet. I've done all the samples, mm. um, and um, we've got all the kind of, um, I, I guess, all the boxes ticked. But mm. um, I guess we're just waiting to see what um, unfolds at the trade fairs and what kind of orders we're going to get. Wow! Well, I wish you all the best for that. That's Thank wonderful. you. Yeah, yeah. So that's the new, the new, the new thing this year. Mm. What are your thoughts on the life and opportunities for women and girls? Oh, I think actually for women and girls, everything is available. I'm living proof of it. When I was made a dame, I really didn't want to accept the award because I felt very much like it, I don't deserve it and I don't, um, I, you know, I think you've got the wrong person. However, I did say yes, and I said yes for the women and girls coming up. The women mm. and girls from the wrong side of the tracks. I started my early life in a state house in Otara, Beards Road, Otara. And then my parents moved to Henderson. And then um, I didn't come from a silver spoon background. Mm. I come from a background where you work hard. And so I say to any girl, mm. the opportunities are there for you. It's the thinking behind them. It's the way you're thinking, your attitude. 
is the only thing that will hold you back. Mm. The whole world is available to you, and I say go out and get it. And um, it's a level playing field, actually. It's all about what you think about, you bring about. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he or she. That's another beautiful statement. Thank you so much, Trelise, for spending this time with me. Um, Our listeners, I know, will love this. And you are an inspiration to me, personally, for living and breathing your creativity in a world that needs, I believe, a lot more creativity and love. You you know, you're sort of envisaging that and and modelling that for us. So thank you. Well, thank you, Jo. It's a privilege and an honour to be on Giant Sisters. Thank you for having me. Thank you.